0: Welcome, Susquehanna family, to our service, our Good Friday service. Thank you so much for joining us, and to all those who have uh, watched us during this uh, historic time in our country, that we're not able to be together physically, but we uh, we know that you uh, have been coming in online and watching our services, and we thank you for that. And hopefully, uh, after this all gets settled, and we can all join. Uh, in together in fellowship here at church, you might check us out. You might come, and you might just uh, just to see if this is really, really where it's coming from. Twice a year, traditionally and historically, the churches are full. Of course, we know one of the times is Christmas time when we come and we're so full of joy and we have our candlelight service. And the kids just can't wait to open those presents. And the churches are full. People that don't normally come to church, they come. Folks that haven't come for a long time, they show up. The other time is the Easter time. The time of Good Friday and and, and Easter, which is coming up on, on Sunday. And this is a time, again, where the churches are full. People that don't come will come. Kids dress up in their suits and, and in their beautiful dresses and there's so much color. Spring is, is sprouting out all these beautiful colors. But Good Friday should be a time when we have a true reflectiveness of what has happened on the cross of Calvary. It should be a time of heaviness. And that's what I want to talk to you today. I want to talk about the important part of a man's last words. A person's last words are so powerful. I can still remember uh, when my father went into an operation, which I thought he would come out of, and we were able to sit down and to talk privately. And some of the last words he told me, I still carry with me and will always carry with me. We're going to be looking at Jesus' last words in Mark fifteen thirty four, But first, we need to look at a verse that we want to serve as our foundational verse. It is very deep theological uh, waters that we could uh, tread in this. But I want to start off by looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And it says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And as we look at the last words of Jesus, and we're going to be looking at those last words in Mark uh, 15, 34. So if you have uh, access to a Bible online or however you do it, you could go ahead and you could turn to that, and I wish you would. But at these last words of Jesus, there should be a, a capture of the heart. There should be a deep emotion for what the Son of God did for us, how He had to endure and and suffer to create an opportunity for you and I to have a right relationship with the Father, how He took our hand and joined the hands of God the Father for what He did on the cross of Calvary. This moment shouldn't be just another moment in which we might say, oh, well, ho-hum, Let's uh, keep moving. What's the next message? But this should hit deep. This time should not be a time in which we reflect one time a year. But it should be a time in which it should carry with us throughout the year. So let me ask you this. What moves you? What is it that stirs your spirit? Maybe it's a new child being born. and Boy, I can remember when our grandchildren were born and when our sons were born. Such an unbelievable, fantastic moment. That stirred me. Maybe it's a heartache of a loved one in pain. Or perhaps uh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime trip. We all have something that gets us. For me, when I see a video of an unexpected reunion of a deployed soldier coming back from a deployment, in fact, like this one right here. And just keep in mind that my tour is almost over, and I'll see you real, real soon. Isn't that stirring? Nine words that Jesus spoke on the cross of Calvary should stir us. These last words should move us to a closer place of intimacy. The Bible describes Jesus hanging on a cross. For six hours, he has hung on that cross. For six hours, he has to endure the pain, endure the shame. He has had his back opened up by a cat of 9 tails He has been spit upon. He has been lied about. He has been forced to carry a heavy wooden cross. I'm sure many splinters he had in his back, crowned with a thorn into his skull. But something happens, the Bible says, and on the ninth hour, which is three o'clock in the afternoon, it says in an unnatural darkness filled the earth, not just that region in which they were in, but it filled the earth and jesus is about to take his last breath and as we look at mark 15 34 what we see is what is known as the cry of dereliction it's a direct quote from psalm 22. i thought it's interesting here jesus the son of god hanging on a cross in pain Not only physical pain, but the psychological pain hanging there. He goes to the Bible. He goes to Psalm 22, and he starts to quote Psalm 22. And as we look at Mark 15, 34, we see this. It says, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Elohoi, Elohoi, lama sabakatani which is transcribed, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned, every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Elohoi, Elohoi, lama sabakatani. My God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? And in this time at the cross, we see two very different focuses coming in here together at the same time. We see the humanity of Jesus at his lowest point, contrasted at the same time with the high point of the crucifixion. You see, when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, it is a cry, it is an emotional cry. It's the very same cry that we see in Luke 9, 38, when the man came to Jesus because he had a son that was demon-possessed and the disciples couldn't even cast out these demons. It's the same cry. He comes to Jesus and he says, I know you can do this. I've heard you can do this. Please, Jesus, heal my son. It is that kind of cry. You can heal him. I know you can heal him. It's the same cry of anguish. These powerful words, my God, my God, is actually a cry of deliverance. You see, deliverance has two meanings. The first one is it's the action of being rescued or set free. The other is an authoritative utterance or cry. Mark 15, 34 is the rescue it's the 9/11, the 911 of our spiritual condition and our future destination. As Jesus is on the cross in the ninth hour, he's been there for six hours. He isn't thinking, "Well, I'm making bad people good." No, you see, he's there because he's making dead people spiritually to come alive to bring us to life spiritually. And this is the power of the moment. At this moment, we see the Lord Jesus in his humanity. This is the lowest point that he's at. This is the most horrible, gut-wrenching part of the crucifixion. These words are spoken. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, these last words invoke an emotional and mental hurt as we connect, as many of us can connect with and many of us have experienced. We can all connect possibly on a personal level because all of us have been forsaken. All of us have been disappointed. All of us in some way might have been rejected. All of us might have applied for a job that we didn't get. We might have dated uh, someone and it didn't work out. Married someone we fell in love with and things went horribly wrong or longed to be in a relationship and it didn't happen. We can connect in some way with that, with that that he's going through. Although we can't connect with the crucifixion. I've never had nails driven through my hands. I've never had nails driven through my feet. I never have. Neither have you. But I know what it's like to be rejected. And I know what it's like to feel abandoned. When I was 11 years old, a terrible thing happened. I had five brothers. My mother was 39 years of age. One morning she woke up and told her husband, I need to go to a doctor. Something's wrong. Two weeks later, my mother died, and I felt abandoned. I had two older brothers and three younger siblings. The abandonment kept going, the rejection was there, the forsakenness was there. Right after that happened, two months later, my brother, my oldest brother, committed suicide. Oh, I know what it's like to be abandoned. Not like Jesus was abandoned, but I knew what it was like to be abandoned. A few months later, my grandfather passed away. Then my father went off to war. And then my older other brother ran away from home and left me trying to raise my three younger brothers at 12 years of age. That was a horrible time in my life. But you see, Jesus came to this place of abandonment. He came to this place for me. He came to this place for you. May I say this to you? He gets it. He gets it. Everyone has had hurtful words hurled at them deeply. He gets that. I heard recently a pastor talking about a uh, Christian counselor in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And he was shocked by the fact that she says her most common uh, reason why people have come into her office, it's not about marriage counseling. It's not about financial uh, disagreements. It's not about drug abuse. But on a daily basis, teens are coming in to her office because of the words that have been said at school or social media may I say to you out there teen whatever words might have been spoken to you Jesus gets it Jesus gets you he understands words and words do hurt when we go to the text my God my God these words are words of intimacy These words are words of a close, closeness, of a wonderful relationship. This is the only time we know that Jesus ever prays to the Father in this manner. At his loneliest time, he uses this most profound way to connect to God. You see, in the Bible, when we look at it, he uses the word abba father. He uses the word father, but never like this did he ever say Elohoy, Elohoy that cry of deliverance, that cry of anguish. I wonder today do you believe he is your God? In that moment of difficulty, in that moment of trial, you can cry out like Jesus, my God, my God. I don't know why this trial is happening to me i don't know why we're going through this scary time i don't know why this loss is happening why this difficulty why this pain may i say to you today he gets your pain he gets your cry he understands it he gets you and while all this was going on this pain obscured the promise. And all this around him was a very crowded hill. Many, many people were there, yet loneliness and abandonment was felt. God the Father was still holding him. And we each have encounters with him when he breaks through and he waters the gardens of our flesh. Let me tell you this, that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Tony Evans, the great preacher, said this, The likelihood of you is going to find yourself headed into a storm, in the midst of a storm, or coming out of a storm. Jesus said at his lowest point, I'm right here with you. You see, the crowd did not stop jeering. The demons did not stop taunting. The pain hadn't stopped. No encouraging words, no voice of encouragement was heard. No dove flew by as a sign from heaven. There wasn't one person who ran up to to the Lord Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, thank you so much for making a difference in my life. There was absolute forsakenness. And this was the lowest point that Jesus had on the cross But you see, Jesus had to feel forsaken. So in your worst moment, Jesus shows up. The worst decision. The worst phone call. The worst message that you could have. Your worst sin that you ever committed. Yet Jesus says, I get you. I've got this. I get you in every way. The crucifixion is our high point as believers. I want to just share some of these powerful verses that mean so much. In John 1 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Romans 4:25 said, Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. 1 Peter 2.24 says who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. John 1, four ten, In this, and I love this, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and set His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. You see, He's our substitute. In Isaiah 53, 5. It says, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement For our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This is truly the high point of the crucifixion. You see, my judgment day and your judgment day landed on Jesus. All the gossip, all the unkind words, all the revenge... Every last one was placed on Jesus. And all this was so that you and I can have a right relationship with God. Folks, this isn't a fake story. It's not some story that's made up in books. This was an actual moment in the calendar of time. Jesus stands where no one stood or since. It was the horror of it and the glory of it that happened at the same time. As I said in the beginning, Jesus went to the Bible. And he looked at Psalm 22. Psalm 22 through 7 through 8. It shows where Jesus was mocked. In 22, 15 through 16. It says that his strength was gone. In verse number 18, it says, "His, his garments were divided. And as we look in Psalm 22:24, it says, "For he was not he has not been despised, nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he, which is God, nor has he hidden his face." From him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Folks, when we cry to God and we don't think he sees us, and the darkness overtakes us, God still hears our prayer. He'll carry us through whatever storm may come. Recently in my devotions, I'm reading a devotion that's called Leadership in Crisis, and it talks about not having the crisis manage you, but that you manage the crisis. I wanted to read this for you. I think it's it's wonderful, and it really talks about what we're going through today. It says this, let his words steer your course, don't lose hope, don't lose focus, let his Let his peace shield you in times of the storm. Don't magnify the weight of the problem more than you you treasure, honor, and value God. Magnify and exalt God's word in every aspect of your life. And this is so important. Don't let the magnitude of the moment derail your faith. Elahoy, elahoy. Lama Sabakatani, my God, my God. Father, thank you so much for your message of hope. Thank you for what you did on the cross of Calvary. I pray, Father, that as everyone that listens to this and sees this, might put this day down not as a day that we reflect on once a year, but is a day in which we can remember and act upon every day of our life. And I thank you so much in the name of Jesus. Amen.